The following programming is sponsored by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Positively Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life brings you inspirational stories, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm Bonnie Finnerty, Education Director at the Federation, and I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Maria Gallagher, the Legislative Director. Hello, Maria. Hello, Bonnie. It's great to be with you today. Great to be with you. And we have not one, but two fantastic guests today. Two people who are on the front lines of the pro-life movement every day, helping not just women in need, but also reaching out to men as well. Today, we'll talk with Linda Plummer and Steve Morris of Morningstar, a pregnancy medical clinic right here in central Pennsylvania. We'll discuss Morningstar's mission and more specifically, the impact their fatherhood program is having in the community. In addition, Maria will discuss Florida's 15-week abortion ban that was signed into law recently. But we'll kick off our podcast with a bit of inspiration first. And for that, I'd like to share an article that I wrote last week and published on our website. It was the spring morning I'd been hoping for. Brilliant sunshine embraced me as I stepped outside with my freshly brewed coffee, observing the green wave of new life that creeped over my backyard. As I strolled beyond the cultivated garden beds, I spotted the unexpected. Beyond the back fence, amidst last season's decomposing yard debris, perched at the foot of a withered wood pile, was a magnificent, singular, white hyacinth. This lone bulb must have been accidentally uprooted last year and transplanted to a less than ideal home, the wildly overgrown woods where we dump clippings and weeds. Yet somehow that bulb found just enough light, warmth, and nourishment to produce a majestic flower that filled me with joy by its very existence. I thought it was more beautiful than any other flower in my yard. It not only survived, it thrived, and it was all the more glorious for the contrast it provided to its own barren and bleak surroundings. It was a little metaphorical signpost from our creator a reminder of both the potential and resiliency of life, especially human life. How many of us have been thrown into less than ideal circumstances and yet managed to survive? How many of us were born into such a situation? Our society mistakenly leads us to believe that we can only welcome new life at the ideal time, in the ideal place, with the ideal partner. And when any of those conditions are not met, some believe it is better for everyone's sake, including the child's, to reject that budding life so full of potential and resiliency. How many babies are aborted every single day, never being given any chance at life because circumstances are perceived to be less than ideal? When a young woman faces an unplanned pregnancy, she is uprooted into an unfamiliar world that she can find frightening. It can be difficult to see past the present moment of fear and uncertainty. Thrown into rocky soil, she may be unsure if she can become rooted again and provide for herself and her child. But nature itself 
reflects the buoyancy of the human spirit, the untold potential, the possibilities that can be. Let us be that society that provides enough light, warmth, and nourishment that envelops her as she brings forth new life. Let us help her look beyond the imperfect situation of the present moment and envision the hyacinth that might be awaiting. Let us say with our lips and show with our actions the simple but often forgotten truth that in less than ideal circumstances, beauty can still bloom, life can still blossom, and the world made infinitely better for it. Maria. Bonnie, thank you so much for that inspirational story. Now, the following is from an article by Dave Andrusco of National Right to Life. When Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed the Reducing Fetal and Infant Mortality Act, House Bill 5, into law, Governor DeSantis said, it's a statement of our values that every life is important. DeSantis said being able to sign the bill prohibiting abortion after 15 weeks was really meaningful. We are here today to defend those who can't defend themselves, DeSantis said, on a stage surrounded by lawmakers, pro-life advocates, and children. This will represent the most significant protections for life that we have seen in a generation. The bill signing came just days after Leon County Circuit Judge Angela Dempsey upheld a 24-hour waiting period, a law passed way back in 2015. 26 other states have similar restrictions, some of which have been in effect for many years. Moreover, plaintiffs can point to no evidence that these laws have prevented any women, let alone all women, who desire an abortion from obtaining one. Judge Dempsey noted that the plain purpose of the act to enhance a pregnant woman's voluntary and informed consent by providing for a 24-hour window of opportunity for her to consideration the important for her to consider the important information which Florida requires she be given. In passing the act, Florida joined the majority of states which have similar requirements, including those that have recognized a right to privacy in their state constitutions. These laws have been upheld in numerous judicial decisions, both state and federal. The bill is modeled after, but is not identical, to Mississippi's Gestational Age Act. On December 1st, the Supreme Court heard arguments in that case. A decision is expected in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization in June. Previously, Florida had allowed abortion through the second trimester of pregnancy, making it one of the most permissive states for abortion in the Southeast, according to CNN's Steve Contorno. According to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Florida reported 71,914 abortions in 2019, or 18.5 per 1,000 women, the third highest rate in the country. House Bill 5 passed the House by an overwhelming vote of 78 to 39, and the Senate by a 23 to 15 vote. The bill goes into effect July 1st. Similar bills have been passed in Kentucky, in Oklahoma. Working within that infrastructure of 15 weeks gives Florida its best opportunity to save a significant number of babies very quickly after the court's decision, Representative Aaron Grawl said last month. 
the Supreme Court's weighing of the Mississippi law was a factor in the decision to propose the 15-week restriction. I never dreamed I'd be standing here today, but actually being able to save the life of babies, GOP Senator Kelly Stargell told legislators, God is so good. Bonnie. That is so true, Maria. More lives will be saved. Thank you so much for that update. And it is my privilege to introduce today's guests. Morningstar is a pregnancy medical clinic with three different locations in central Pennsylvania. They offer a variety of essential health services that include confidential counseling, pregnancy testing and education, ultrasound examinations, STD testing and treatment, post-abortion recovery, baby clothing and supplies, parenting education classes, and more. Last year alone, Morningstar had over 2,300 client visits, performed over 1,000 ultrasounds, and reached over 1,100 students, saving 523 lives. Today, we're fortunate to have both Morningstar's Executive Director, Linda Plummer, and Nurse Clinic Manager, Steve Morris, with us to discuss Morningstar's history and mission and to learn more about their fatherhood program. Linda Plummer has served as the executive director at Morningstar since 2016. Under her guidance, they have greatly expanded their ultrasound program and brought to fruition the fatherhood program that had long been on her heart. Steve Morris is a nurse clinic manager and fatherhood coordinator who began working at Morningstar in 2021. He is passionate about community health care and improving family relationships. Welcome, Linda and Steve. Thank you, Bonnie. It's good to be here with you today. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having us on. Linda, next week, Morningstar will host its annual banquet and celebrate 50 years of pro-life ministry. How did Morningstar get started? Well, it was 1972. Um, <sighs> when a group of ladies from this area got together and determined that uh, they needed to take action to help women who had an unplanned pregnancy. And at that time, they started phone counseling. They had a, they operated a 24 seven phone counseling operation, totally with volunteers. And then after a period of time, they realized that they would open up, they found an office, they opened up for a few hours each week, and they scheduled appointments for face-to-face -face counseling at that time, and the rest of the time was, again, handled over the phone with volunteers, and then eventually moved into pregnancy testing and um, providing material support, of course, and all of the things that we, we offer uh, and that is, that's approximately the time when the name changed to Morningstar from Birthright. And then not long after that was, uh, of course, the birth of the ultrasound program in pregnancy centers. So, and that truly uh, helped our movement to take off at that time um, to really expand and grow in a way that was very helpful to the women of the community. And can you explain in what ways has Morningstar grown since its inception? Oh my goodness. Well, we've gone from being your 
a, a small pregnancy resource center to then becoming a medical clinic that is able to uh, help in early pregnancy diagnoses and then moving into STI or sexually transmitted infections, testing and treatment, which was another way to intervene early in the lives of the uh, people of our community and to begin to have conversations with them about their sexual health and healthy relationships. So the idea there was that maybe we could prevent an unplanned pregnancy in their future. Steve, you lead a fatherhood program. Can you explain why fathers are so critical in the decision-making process in the pregnancy? Sure, it's a great question. So, you know, in any pregnancy, research has shown that the presence of a dad is so important in assuring a good outcome for the mom and for baby. Um, pregnant moms with a present uh, father of the baby in their life are more likely to receive all the prenatal care that they need. They have a lower risk of stress uh, during the pregnancy, and they have a lower risk of postpartum depression, uh, and they have reported higher relationship satisfaction. So in any pregnancy, you know, the importance uh, of the father of the baby can, can really be helpful for mom. Um, and, you know, for, for women that are strongly considering abortion, um, we've, we've time and time again, uh, you know, heard from women um, who have said, you know, if, if he had, that are post-abortive, who said if he had been more involved, you know, I would have been less likely to choose abortion. Uh, there's actually a statistic that says that 85% of women considering abortion, women that have undergone abortion say that they would have carried to term if the father had been more involved. So that's, it's so important. Um, so one of the things that, you know, I emphasize with men in counseling is that, uh, it, it, you know, while they're in, while they're, uh, in the decision-making process and they're considering abortion, it's so important to uh, specifically say to the mother of the child, hey, if you wanna go through with this, I'll be here with you. That makes such a difference in her mentality and uh, her comfort level as she's, um, you know, as she considers carrying the pregnancy to term. And so many men need to hear that message. We're so glad that you're, you're giving that message to them. Can you um, follow up with explaining why a father's role is so critical within the family? Absolutely. So, you know, we've, we've really seen, um, you know, it's uh, the problem of broken families has, is not a new problem, right? It's been around forever. But uh, I think we've really seen, you know, especially in the last 50 years or so, uh, there's a fatherhood, uh, a crisis of absent fathers in the U.S., right? And again, stats show that, um, you know, families, broken families uh, that do not have a present father are uh, more likely to experience poverty. For children, they're more likely to experience behavioral problems, uh, abuse drugs and alcohol, not complete school, and potentially become incarcerated. So have you know poor social and health outcomes, and um, so so not only not only on the health side of things, but just on the personal formation side of things, right? Not having a present father um, can can make it even more challenging for uh, families and children in vulnerable situations. Um, to really be to really be well. Linda, from your perspective, why are fathers so significant to the moms in making a decision to have or not to have an abortion? 
Well, it's interesting that um, in, over all these years of sitting down and talking with women and counseling in this area, and so many times they will say to you, I wish he would just tell me what he's thinking. Some men have been told to say, I support you in your decision. And from a woman's perspective, that sounds like I'm on my own. And, you know, we always get to the point in the, the counseling session where we both agree to, that what we what she wants to hear is, I'm here for you. Let's do this together. I'm going to support you. We can do this. And so this program is so important because it gives an opportunity for Steve uh, to sit down with the father of the baby and say to him, uh, what are you thinking? And how are you, how do you see or envision yourself in this, in this decision-making process and encourage him that if he is considering, you know, if he would like to move forward with this pregnancy, how can he talk to her to really encourage her and, and let her know that he is going to be there to support her? So that's very crucial. It's also crucial to know if he's not going to be there. She needs to know that information so that she can truly make that decision. I had a case just recently, and it, it was heartbreaking. Um, this woman came the day after her abortion and she came the next day because she was so upset at the loss of her child, but she was also heartbroken because her boyfriend broke up with her two hours after her abortion procedure. And the reason was that he said, I just couldn't handle it. So for her, she said to me, if I had known that that was gonna happen, I may have made the decision to have this baby. I would have known I was on my own, but I, I may have made that decision. She said, I will never know now if I would have. So if we had had an opportunity to truly talk with him so that that could have been then uh, in, as the couple comes together, you know, understanding that the chances that this relationship is going to survive an abortion is pretty much nil. And a lot of women don't understand that. Um, both partners do not feel the same. One is usually wants the abortion, the other, you know, not as much. So the chances that a relationship will survive an abortion experience is very slim. And I think a lot of women need to understand that. And the men who are the fathers of the, these children need to understand that as well. Linda, how did the fatherhood program come about? Well, Morningstar, as, when I came to Morningstar, we always had the idea of a fatherhood program. But the way that was implemented was through um, volunteers. We had a couple of gentlemen that were volunteer counselors um, that would come in periodically and they would be available to meet with men. 
the problem with that is it was a volunteer situation. So the days that they came and, and the court and coordinating with the father of the baby just happened to come was very difficult. So it didn't happen very often. We would try to do that, of course, to coordinate an appointment with the, when the volunteer could be there. But again, it's just, it was, it didn't happen very frequently. So knowing that to really bring the fatherhood program to fruition would require a man to be here basically during all of our hours of operations, just like we do with our ultrasound program, during all of our hours of operations that we needed to have that person that um, would meet with the father of the baby. <clears throat> but that was not really achievable in our budget. Um, and so when Steve came forward to volunteer his services as a nurse, um, I realized pretty quickly because he's a young guy and he thinks he has all that kind of energy and everything <laughs> in the world, but he was newly married and had a baby on the way and was a full-time nurse. And I knew that his volunteerism was going to slip right off the plate. And we mm -hmm. began to explore the idea of him coming to actually work for Morningstar. We needed a nurse clinic manager at the time. We needed somebody to oversee our STI program. And of course, we needed somebody here to counsel with the dads. And I really believe God just brought that all together and um, so that we could achieve that. And that's so much uh, how things happen here at Morningstar. Mm -hmm. You know, we have an idea of how we think sh things should look. And I must say, I never thought that I would hire a male nurse manager for our clinic. It just wasn't in my, but when God moves, he kind of presents things. And you, we have learned over the years that we just have to be open to that guidance to be able to move in different directions of what maybe we to look beyond the way we thought it should be. So that was something that happened here. And I feel very blessed that we have we've been able to achieve that. So Steve, what is the process of counseling fathers when they come into Morningstar? Sure. So I just had a guy this morning that I talked to. So basically, uh, when a woman comes in for her initial pregnancy appointment, she completes, you know, her intake information and goes back with a counselor for an interview before receiving an ultrasound. And the guy's left sitting out in the waiting room, right? So, you know, uh, there's kind of a trope for pregnancy centers. He's like the guy in the waiting room, right? So our goal was to take the guy in the waiting room and, you know, uh, really, really uh, show him how much we valued his role here, right? Make him a client, take him back uh, into, into a room uh, set aside, you know, just for men's counseling. And, um, you know, so my goal when I go in and talk to a guy is to uh, assess their background, right? Um, so, you know, what is, uh, what is their situation like? What is their relationship with mom like? And what kind of resources do they have uh, that will allow them or that, that would allow them to potentially continue this pregnancy? And also what resources can we identify that we can potentially help with that will make it even more possible for them? So yeah, the goal, and then uh, even beyond that, the goal is to identify, you know, what is their perception of fatherhood? What is their experience of fatherhood? You know, what ideas have they had about 
the sort of father they may or may not want to be uh, and help them to form you know, an even more positive vision for that, help them to, um, to frame the decision you know, in terms of uh, like identifying, you have a responsibility here. You know? And um, you know, for, I think for all of us as human beings and maybe especially for men, there's like, um, there's something so fundamental to us about responsibility and stepping up to responsibility. Um, and it just resonates with guys, you know, when you identify, hey, this was, this is both of your decisions because both of you took part in the creation of this child. You have a responsibility here. And, um, you know, sometimes they don't like to hear it, but it resonates. Um, so, so that's the overall goal is to identify where they're at and how we can help them move forward. And how have dads responded to this program? So I remember being kind of surprised initially when I started you know, um, I'm a people person. I really like talking to people. Nursing has been a fantastic career for me. Um, but there's always that, um, you know, you're talking about really deep personal family systems issues, right? And um, people coming from some really vulnerable situations and, and, and they're men, right? So I, I, was, um, I was curious how that would go in terms of like sharing about emotion, sharing about experience. Um, but I, you know, from the beginning and continually, I've been really pleasantly surprised when guys are given the opportunity to speak, um, they, they have really shared so much, right? I think often men don't have the same opportunity to share um, just in general throughout their lives, but maybe in particular during the process of a pregnancy, um, don't have the opportunity to talk about how they feel about it, right? What's going on in their mind. So we give them, you know, I give them that opportunity to speak and guys share so much, um, I had, I had a man uh, several months ago who shared, he was in his early 20s and he shared how he'd been, uh, I believe he was 15 or 16 and was in a relationship with an older woman. Um, and she, she decided, she, they got pregnant and she decided to have an abortion and didn't tell him until after. And he talked about how traumatic that was for him. Just an example of you know, the depth of sharing that these guys can get to. And and it was, it was really important for him to be able to say that. He hadn't had the chance to talk about that with anybody else. Um, so that's why we're here. You know, that's, uh, that's the type of healing we want to help encourage. And, um, you know, again, just to help them, um, they, they might have never heard a positive vision for how they could move forward, right? So that's what we really want to try to promote. So, yeah, in terms of their uh, initial response, it's been really positive. Linda, we've got... Uh about a minute left, what is your future vision for the fatherhood program? Well, you know, the most important thing is what we are achieving right now, and that is someone to actually sit down with these um, fathers and, and have those crucial conversations with them in determining whether or not they are going to be present there for their children and support the, the mother of their child in this pregnancy. Beyond that, as Steve talked about, there are a lot of risk factors out there for these men in, in being able to achieve um, an ideal fatherhood situation. You know, there are a lot of obstacles for them to overcome, um, probably in their own uh, parenting uh, when they were young and their, in their situation. So many people now have um, grew up in, in broken families. They, they and never. You know what? We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so very much. 
Okay. It's been a Thank pleasure you. to talk to you today. And Thank remember, you. there's always a reason to choose life.